0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Happy birthday to all our beloved American friends. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know what, folks? Today is National Caesar Salad Day and at the Rebel News Cafeteria, we have sequestered an area for caesar salad only yeah we call it the um, caesarean section anyway she is the she devil with a spatula she is the khaleesi of the greater Coburg area she is tamara ugolini how you doing there tamara
1: better now knowing that it's caesar salad day i don't know how caesarean <laughs> section came into the play there but uh nonetheless here we are on july the 4th which i want to say actually is the three year anniversary from the time that I was first ever arrested, how I ended up as a wow. rebel. A real I was I was a real life rebel first. Um but uh yeah, I was strolling the beach shoreline in Coburg where they had restricted access arbitrarily due to the COVID hysteria. And I guess at the time there was this idea that Outdoor viral spread was a scientific phenomenon, which we know we knew then, but now we really know that that was never the case. And uh, in defiance of these arbitrary restrictions, I walked the beach shoreline and was subsequently arrested and detained and held in jail for approximately an hour and a half until I identified myself. And then when you came, David, (laughs) and we did our interview together shortly thereafter, Ezra reached out and offered me a job, and the rest is history. So that's a really fun time. July the 4th is kind of like the Freedom Day anyway. You know, we have our American friends to the South who are celebrating independence, and um, I really felt that. In, in my soul that day. So here we are.
0: It was your own personal version of Independence Day. That's right. right? You know, became a, an independent journalist. And we're so happy to have you, Tamara. I mean, Don't like, tread on you know, me. Folks. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. I call Tamara when it comes to the COVID business. Uh, she is a COVID nerd. And I say that with all sincerity. Uh, that's not a pejorative term. She studies and studies this, looks at the fine print. Quite frankly, the kind of stuff after page three, I'm already, uh, you know, zoning out. You're
1: asleep.
0: And, um, you know, that, and by the way, I, I just, we talked about this briefly uh, in the meeting. You know, Tamara, what happened at the beach in Coburg, your hometown, was just an absolute incredible example of how insane the so called public health, uh, you know, operatives were trying to make our lives. Yeah. For example, that beach, It's not a very big beach, they fenced it off, you couldn't get in, it was all for safety, but if you went a little way uh, down the road, Mm -hmm. because it was federal land, uh, there was a beach there that you could swim in. Only the problem is, uh, it's still water and it is thoroughly polluted by Canada geese droppings. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you go in there, You
1: don't want to go in there.
0: Yeah, 50-50 chance you're going to get E. coli uh, contamination. But that's okay. Go have a swim, kids. And then even the beach that was fenced off, folks, and I'm not making this up, you could access it by going to – it was like a pier pier. where the Canadian Coast Guard, of all people, is situated – And you could walk down the rocks, and assuming you didn't slip on one of those wet rocks and break your (laughs) skull open, you could jump in the ocean and you could swim to the beach, right? Oh, yeah, the The lake. lake. I'm sorry.
1: Well, there's this thing called riparian rights. And so (laughs) no one actually owns the shoreline. And I think that's probably why Ezra hired me, because I had done all this research on the lot lines and who owned what and if the town actually had the jurisdiction to restrict access to this shore. There's riparian rights. And then there's also, um I can't remember the legal term, but essentially like a right of way where there's an easement that pedestrians and civilians had mm. been utilizing <laughs> this shorefront and that beach passageway for centuries, essentially. Um, and so to restrict that is legally questionable. And as I've already mentioned, very arbitrary. It was actually not the public health unit that recommended this, they actually advised against it. Oh. They said there, at the time I was attending all of the meetings and I was advocating and I was delegating and, you know, I was doing all of the things politically that you're supposed to do to get involved, to have your voice heard in a democracy. And it was all, of course, following on deaf ears, which is what led to my compelling of engaging in civil disobedience because no one was listening but the public health unit actually said that it was safe to open up the beach and if there was i mean of course they recommended restrictions be put in place but the full closure and fencing of this beach um, was never recommended to council and i think it was just a straight xenophobic display of hysteria because The Coburg Beach is a known tourist destination. And every year, GTAers flock to the beach uh, to seek reprieve from the heat. And the council really wanted to keep the others away. Remember, we had those color-coded lockdowns where certain areas were restricted more or less than others. And so Toronto was always seen as this hot spot throughout the covid narrative um, because there was cases and testing and the population's more condensed so this was all done really to keep the others the gtaers away and there was nothing more nothing scientific to it it was purely that so you know
0: what that's very <laughs> profound and important what you've said really uh, tamara because <clears throat> we were told throughout this Bloody pandemic. Follow the science, follow the science. And here you have the scientists and the doctors and the health officials mm-hmm. officials on public health. And they're telling council, no, this is a fool's errand to mm-hmm. shut down the beach. Yeah, OK, thank you. Noted. We're going to shut it down anyways. Unbelievable. Yeah. One last thing about this lunacy of this beach closing in uh, Coburg, folks, is that I swam in a full suit to to the shore. And there was a bile officer there and I was walking up and down. He was like my physical shadow because while I could go into the water, I still could not go on the beach. And there's bile officers there, police officers, Tamara Ugolini. Oh, the whole nine
1: yards.
0: And I said to him, uh, I don't want to get a ticket or anything, officer. So what's the rule? And he said, and I'm not making this up. I wish I were. Uh, we're going by uh, the ankle exposure rule, and I go, what does that mean? He says, well, if I can see your ankles, that means you're not deep enough in the water, you're closer to the land of the beach, and I'll have to give you an $880 take. What is this, Victorian England? Don't show <laughs> your ankles that sc- uh, Can you imagine? And that's where law enforcement resources uh, were applied to. Absolutely incredible. That I was- just...
1: That was the same day my dad was arrested. Yes. Yeah. So it was like a double whammy for the Ugolini's those few weeks there. I was arrested. But mind you, I didn't have a whole crowd there. And I just had myself and uh, the teacher that joined me, retired teacher. Oh, and together were obviously very thrilled. There is
0: Mr. Ugolini yeah, himself. There's,
1: <laughs> you know. What a legend with his rage hat. Um, but there's footage in that video oh, as well of you jumping this. in, David. In a full suit, as you mentioned, and you (laughs) lost your hat. I did. What a time to be alive. It
0: went out to sea, I guess. Does the Coburg Lake... Attached to the sea somehow. Maybe there's no, a, a menzoid hat floating in the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> oh,
1: there's some of the beachgoers anyway. Um, oh my goodness. What a time. Anyway, okay, so while we kind of get into some of the COVID hysteria, let's yes. get back to what we're doing here today. Indeed. We have a full docket as per usual. Um, if you're joining us, you can find us. We're streaming on a few different platforms: Rumble, Odyssey, and YouTube, and Getter. Um, We will get into some more COVID nitty gritty, I think, towards the end of the show. So at that point, we'll sign off of YouTube because they're censorious thugs and we can't share any opinions or even actual data that goes against that safe and effective narrative um, due to their arbitrary community standards, which actually change every month. So. Um, We will get off of YouTube at that point, so I urge you just to head on over to one of those other platforms and join us there so that you will have uninterrupted stream. And then on some of those platforms, you can send us some paid chats, and that's a great way for you to engage with us on the live stream directly, us to provide some commentary or some feedback, or if you have a tip or anything that you would like us to read on air. Uh, I believe it's $5 or more. And... Also support our independent journalism at the same time because we don't take any handouts from the government. We're not state-funded media, and that is why we can continue to bring you truth to power journalism that focuses on accountability instead of just parroting the the state. So,
0: and nor would we take those handouts if and offered. That's right. Assuming right. there'd be a frigid cold day in hell, could you imagine that, just <laughs> Which might true? be nice, because it's
1: extremely hot here in <laughs> southeastern Ontario today.
0: And i got to tell you, it's working for you, Tamara. I thought when I first saw you today, I thought you had one of those $300 Yorkville salon hairdos, but <laughs> yeah. it's the humidity. It's just the humidity that's this is just, going. <laughs> it, what a look, I'll tell you. And you know, i got one last note on that. Uh, please, Toronto Radio, stop topping the news that it is hot, humid, and hazy, and that experts recommend you stay well hydrated and wear sunscreen and uh, sit down in the shade. I mean, we're not, you know, delicate, endangered flowers here. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're. I think we know what to do when it's hot, all right. I, this is not driving you crazy. It's, it's just, like, oh, really? Uh, stay hydrated? Stay in the shade? Oh, golly, I would have been oh, so much cooler if I had known that yesterday.
1: It's the nanny state <laughs> rearing its its thumb once again. Speaking yes. of nanny state, yes. we have Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, I, gaslighting Canadians, telling him, telling us that he's making our life more affordable. Well, his government quite literally does the exact opposite. Have a look at this cringy social media post by the prime minister of a G7 nation at that.
2: We're working to make life more affordable, deliver you the supports you need. So let's go over the five different benefits we're delivering this month. First is our newest benefit, which we recently passed in the House of Commons, called the Grocery Rebate. If you're a family with two kids earning a low or modest income, you could receive over $450. That's going out on July 5th and about 11 million Canadians will be eligible. Another one is the GST HST Credit. This is a payment that goes out tax-free to individuals and families with low and modest incomes. If you're a single Canadian, you may be eligible for up to $496 a year, with payments also going out on July 5th. If you're a family with kids, you probably already know full well about the Canada Child Benefit, which is hundreds of dollars a month tax-free to help you with the high costs of raising children. Well, every July, that amount is adjusted based on your family income and indexed to inflation. So coming July 20th, you'll get the updated payments. If you live in any of these provinces, you'll be receiving your summer pollution price rebate between July 14th and July 21st. It puts more money back in the pockets of families while fighting climate change and protecting our environment. And finally, payments for the Canada Pension Plan will be delivered on July 27th. If you're retired, this money is here to support you, and will vary based on your previous income. Now that was a lot of information, and you can find out more about each of them at Canada.ca/benefits. But at the end of the day, what you need to know is this. Oh
1: my goodness!
0: You know, uh, Tamara Ugolini. First of all, how condescending! Is he? I mean, is it just me? But that's the the vibe I got. It reminds me of the you know the romper room teacher looking through her magic mirror, like treating adults, taxpayers, as children. But he said a lot, five different things. Grocery rebate. Uh, I'm. You know what? I. You know who's going to benefit the most from that? It'd be like the Weston and Sobe families, the multi billionaires. I'm sure they're doing cartwheels over this. But here's the thing, uh, blackface. If you didn't. a carbon and pollution tax on everything, then those groceries getting to shelves wouldn't be so expensive, we wouldn't need this rebate. Number two, GST, for low and moderate income, Describe that, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Does that mean somebody like you and I who can't afford to, oh, I don't know, go to London, England, and stay in a $6,000 a night room with a private butler? I mean, the guy is so tone deaf in this inflationary, high interest rate, post-COVID time to do something like that. I mean, if I were prime minister, if I were the town dog catcher, to abuse tax funds like that, it would be off the off the table. Uh, then there was the um, the child benefit uh, program. Yeah. I wonder if my two kids, who are now in their early twenties, can they identify? as uh children you as, know
1: yeah underage it,
0: yeah cuz you know blackface you know much like that um burly bald muscular guy identifying as a female uh rugby player and putting real biological women in hospital with his um his, his hits uh can can does that you know identification business work in a non-sexual orientation gender identification fashion cuz then i could use that money too for those kids then the pollution Price reaping, you know. Demar just last week went to see Blackface do a seventeen hundred dollar a dinner fundraiser mm-hmm, at a right. swank Toronto hotel. If you ask me, he's overcharging that dinner by 999 dollars and ninety nine cents. But that's just me. And I couldn't help but notice, once again, folks, the SUVs are running twenty four seven. Are are they? Uh, EVs? Are they plug-in hybrids? Oh, no, no, no. Typically, Chevy Suburban full-size SUVs with an eight-cylinder engine and they idle because, God forbid, that blackface with his Armani-clad suit gets in and his arse touches leather seats that are not perfect room temperature. What a hypocrite again. And then the Canada Pension Plan. Like seriously, Tamara, can anyone, especially in these inflationary days, live on a Canadian Pension Plan allowance? Anyways, that's my rent. Over to you, my friend.
1: Well, it's so ironic that the government just give us all your money through taxation and taxes on taxes, which is what the carbon tax is essentially. And then we'll give you back a small portion of it as though somehow we're benefiting you. And this isn't a positive. This doesn't indicate that Canada has a robust, strong, growing economy. This indicates that everyday Canadians are struggling to afford the basic necessities of life and the government must step in and intervene and issue these rebates. And, I mean, a lot of people, and myself included, would state that this is a stepping stone to that universal basic income, which we know the government has been trying to institute since the COVID days, where yep. they gave out these COVID checks just willy-nilly to everyone. I think $2,000 biweekly for six weeks, if I remember correctly. And then there was all these small business grants and this and that. When people could have literally just assessed their own risk, stayed open, went to work if they so pleased. If they didn't, then I'm sure there was others who were willing to come forward to replace them, and the economy would have continued to survive. So this, to me, doesn't sit, doesn't state booming economy. No. This is a failing economy where Canadians and the citizens of Canada are struggling to afford basic necessities and the government is going to be there as this saving grace when the root cause of all of this is their own policies and shortfallings. I mean, did we expect anything more from a prime minister who stated himself that budgets would balance itself? I mean, didn't he say he had a learning disability? I don't know if we have that clip where he can't do basic <laughs> math. I oh, mean, that's God. really, its is really embarrassing that this is someone who's ruling.
0: Well, we know he has an ethics disability, but you know what, Tamara, I'm not trying to be funny or mean here or anything, but that's an incredible quote, the budget will balance itself. Like mm-hmm. what what did he mean by that? I remember once asking Catherine Swift of formerly the head of the um Canadian Independent Business Federation. Yes. Uh she says I have no bloody idea what, what the budget will balance itself. It sounds like something a, a child would say.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm lost for words there because as time goes on, uh, this prime minister conducts himself more like a child than a reasonable, rational adult. But on this on this topic, we have a um, article from CTV News Politics where the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, they delve into their that specific rebate. They're issuing this one time grocery rebate on July the fifth, and so about halfway down. They give examples here on how much you could receive, and I'm not sure. It's obviously based off of income, so I don't know what the cutoffs there are. But if you're single, you could receive a maximum payment of um, depending on how many children you have, 6281 dollars time Mm -hmm. payment if you have four children. And then if you're married or living common law, you could receive up to six hundred and twenty eight dollars for this one time rebate if you have four children. But. Canadians would be keeping that in their pockets if they weren't being taxed out of the Yahoo by this (coughs) prime minister, his policies, again, the carbon tax, which he said, happy Canada Day to Canadians by instituting the second federal carbon tax. And as the um, taxpayers' federation, the Canadian taxpayers' federation said, I think they put out a news release. Let me just share this so that we can um, share it with you on the screen. That's run by Franco Terrazano.
0: Who does great work, by the way.
1: Great work. Um, He says here, there are no rebates. This is about (laughs) fourth paragraph up from the end. There are no rebates with the second carbon tax. So that came out July first. Happy Canada Day to all of us. No rebates. (laughs) And it's being added on top of the current tax, because there was already an existing carbon tax in place. By 2030, which is kind of like the end game date for net zero. Uh, So by 2030, the two carbon taxes will increase the price of gas by about 55 cents per liter. And that doesn't include inflation and the the rising cost of gas and oil per barrel and all of this. So how this is simultaneously going to cool the earth and offset global warming is, is really beyond me.
0: You know, Tamara, when you say, um, when you're quoting uh, Franco, talking about the rebate being a no rebate, um, that reminds me when I was a child, late 60s, early 70s, devouring every Marvel comic book published. In the letters of the editor section, if you could find something wrong, something wrong in the continuity, maybe the the character's costume was a a different color because of some printing error, you could write in, alert them. And if if they verified that it was wrong, they would give you a no prize. And as a kid, I was too stupid to understand (laughs) what the joke is because I I would like study these comics thinking, I want to win a no prize, not realizing, that was the gag. You're getting no price, <laughs> much like Trudeau says. You're getting a rebate and Franco's going, uh-uh, it's no rebate. It's nothing coming back to you. This is disgraceful.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we have a super chat here from Snowy Roof on this topic, okay. uh, who asks, since when did the CPP, the Canada Pension Plan, become a government pension when it was the employees and employers who paid into it?
0: Hmm. You know Good know what? point. And they, what is the retirement age? Because they monkeyed around with that a couple of times, 65, 67. At
1: 60 or 65, you can apply for it, even if you're working, I believe. Uh, it's, there's just, again, it's based off of your income. So depending uh, on how much you make, I you'll see. get. Anyway, and see, I'm not there yet.
0: And that is one of the problems, uh, Tamara Ugolini, in terms of the age benchmark. When these actuary tables were set many decades ago, it was thought that you'd retire in the early 60s, Pretty much by 65, 66, 67, you were buggering off to the great hereafter. You were dying. Right now, we have 70 and 80-year-olds climbing Mount Everest, for goodness sakes. We're living longer because we're living more healthy. uh, And that has completely thrown out the viability of the pension plan. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Well, and the way things are going now, there are some Canadians who are out there who are approaching that age saying, We retirement is a distant, far off, perhaps even a memory. We will never be able to retire under these conditions. And with these with these measly payment payouts and payments. Um, But we have some comedic relief from our friend, comedian Ben Bankist that we wanted to (laughs) share with our viewers so that it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, It's a nice voiceover here. Let's have a quick look at it.
3: We're working to make your life as difficult and awful as possible. (laughs) So let's go over the ways that we're doing that here at the Liberal government. First is our newest benefit, the grocery (laughs) rebate. So essentially, if you're already poor and have no money and can barely afford groceries, we're going to send you like $200 a year. Next is a GST HST credit, which essentially is a scam. So I'll explain it. So not only are you taxed on your income annually, but of course every single thing you buy has an extra tax on it. So we're trying to tax you as much as possible, probably like 70% after it's all said and done. So to make you feel better about this, absolute assault on your finances, we are sending you a small check for $200 a year that'll just make you feel good about communism. The Canada Child (laughs) Benefit. So what this is, is once we steal all your money through taxation and fees and municipal taxes, et cetera, et cetera, we're now coming for your kids. So once we teach your child to be transgendered, we're also (laughs) going to give you a benefit for that. So expect another couple hundred dollars a year. The Summer Pollution Rebate. You guys are going to get this based on how much smoke is in the air and that you've inhaled. And once we determine how quickly your lungs are deteriorating, we're going to send you another couple hundred dollars. That was a lot of information. So if you want to read it all out, you can go to Canada.ca slash your (laughs) f***. You know, here's the thing. Um, I feel
0: for the stand-up comedian community, Mm -hmm. Tamara Ugolini, because, you know, real life like the front page is a stand-up script or a sitcom script. I mean, the jokes that we are being delivered by our elected officials, uh, bad jokes with no punchline, uh, by the way. Uh, How does Ben Bankus and such... Uh, make a living. By the way, my condolences to Ben Banks. He was one of 102 candidates yeah. that ran for Toronto Mayor. And I had a little monologue last week, folks. I was looking at the winners and losers. Of course, the ultimate winner would be Olivia Chow. She is mm-hmm. the mayor. Uh, anyone from Anna Bailau, the second-place finisher on down, you, you're the loser, the ultimate loser. Uh, the City of Toronto, just will you see what uh, three years of uh, commie socialism does to Hogtown, and you gotta when you look at the list though, there was one other benchmark I thought for loser versus Uber Loser. And that was one of the candidates that was running was Molly the dog. And 83 human beings finished behind Molly. Oh, <laughs> so if, if a canine, if another species beat you, and I'm afraid Ben Bankett was in that category. Wow, how do you talk about that at a cocktail party? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Molly, we have a couple more super chats. I'll just read them quickly before we get to our next story, which is a David feature. Oh, Um, so we have five dollars from Cool Beans 89. Thank you. The host. Well, let me tell you about him. Yesterday, (laughs) July 3rd, 38 years ago, Back to the Future was released in 1986. I bought my first VCR and the first movie was Back to the Future. There you go. Wow,
0: You know what? One of my favorite movies ever, because uh, I really can't stand living in this woke society, folks. And if there was such a thing as a DeLorean DMC-12 with the uber-rare flux capacitor option, I'm setting those coordinates right for that year, 1985, maybe 1983. That was a good year, I remember. It was so normal then you know, mm-hmm. Tamara Ugolini. Well, I wasn't could, born yet,
1: but. Well,
0: I'm telling you, then all the more reason to hop in my DeLorean <laughs> yeah. and get back there and show you how reasonable was. I mean, the idea of a trick question to a Supreme Court justice would not be, define a woman. I mean, it was so normal. And I, I, I know time travel is a science fiction trope and probably can never be done. But how about... Plan B, how about we swing the pendulum back? How about after all this nonsense we're going through, you know, with uh, she-males competing in female sports and drag queen story time and pornography in uh, children's school libraries, when are we going to hit the wall and say, enough, I don't care if you call me insensitive or bigoted or a hater, we're rolling back the clock to when things were normal. that's right, I use the new N-word folks, normal, Actual there is normal. normal and there's abnormal and the abnormal abnormal inmates that should be in the asylum are instead running it I think. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Well let's go to a quick ad break and <clears throat> yes. then we'll come back to uh, David's story from Windsor.
4: Mm-hmm no matter what, God will bring us through. And I said, we will not bow down to your gods.
1: For tickets,
0: Showtime details, and to see the trailer, please go to savethechristians.com.
5: In a world plagued by conformity, where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum Globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, Reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoche.
4: You see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years.
5: Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com.
1: not only the rebellion of conformity, but I think the rebellion against state surveillance and censorship. And so a lot of the times on this show and on our reports, we have referenced certain terms that come directly from that book, Orwellian, George Orwell's writings in what was a fictitious dystopian depiction of uh, 1984, the year 1984 moving forward. And so if you're not sure when we use some of those words like the thought police or big brother, um, the ministry of truth, That is a great read to kind of get up to speed with the way things have rolled out and the way that the state has acted, especially as Paul Ravosh, the illustrator, said over the last three years. So um, I think that's by 1984com And the book itself, I read 1984, gosh, I don't even know, 15, 20 years ago, probably. I've read it a few times, but I do remember that it being very difficult to read because the font was really small, Mm. the actual font style itself was hard to follow. So nothing in the book in terms of the actual writings have been changed. It's just that there's obviously the accompanying illustrations now, but also the font and type has been adjusted to make it easier to read. So for anyone is interested, I think it's a great place to start if you haven't already read that book.
0: 100 percent. You know, Tamara, I read 1984 in 1979 five years mm-hmm. before the actual date i was in high school uh it was riveting and our big boss man ezra levant back in 2021 said during one of his monologues that i ask you even if you've read it before reread uh 1984.
1: Mm-hmm. i should
0: and i did i bought a new copy read it and two things struck me one i had forgotten how shockingly good it was in a haunting and heartbreaking fashion. Secondly, I was struck by how much had come true. That yeah. Orwell's only sin, I think, to marry Ugolini was getting the date wrong. And the only reason it's called 1984, he wrote it in 1948, published the year the next year, mm-hmm. Orwell passing away tragically in 1950. He had chronic health problems, but he just simply uh, reversed the digits in 1948 became 84. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason for the title of the book. Uh, So his only sin was not calling it, oh, I don't know, 2022 uh, and changing the setting to, say, Ottawa, Canada and looking at what happened to people Supporting the Trucker Rebellion, ha- suddenly having their bank accounts tinkered with, uh, having even ex-law enforcement having their cell phones bugged and their computers. This is pure 1984 yeah. stuff, folks. But it happened uh, here, uh, big time, in 2022. And now you look at the censorious bills of C-11, C-18. um Blackface is just getting ready to go full Orwell on our asses. Let me tell you, please read this book Mm -hmm. and see the brilliance of George Orwell, you know, going back, you know, so many decades in terms of predicting what we are living through today.
1: It's even going back right to the beginnings of 2020 when the health emergency was declared, where the Public Health Agency of Canada colluded with TELUS to monitor and track Canadian cell phone data. I'm not lying. We have this is as an exclusive access to information request. And maybe we can show, I just shared the article. There's a couple of them, but that we've published at rebelinvestigates.com um, that highlight just how much TELUS was paid by the Public Health Agency of Canada, i.e. our tax dollars, yep. to monitor your compliance with public health measures, including the lockdowns and the stay at home orders. So, yeah, this is, this was kind of the writing on the wall, which is a scary thought to think that, um, something, a dystopian novel of this magnitude could come to fruition in real time. And sadly we're living it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Um, Animal Farm was sort of the primer, uh, for 1984. Again, uh, Wholly recommend you read that or reread that, as the case may be. And you know, another good book by Orwell, too, um, Down and Out in Paris and London, mm-hmm. chronicling uh, that, that he was homeless in both those cities for years, mm-hmm. struggling as a writer to get by. I think that's what contributed to his bad health in uh, later years. And, oh, and he said something very profound about that, Tamara Ugolini, and it was this, that um, you know, people... Uh, look down at panhandlers, right, thinking um, you're lazy, right, go get a job. And what he pointed out is that when you're, you know, going up and down the pavement 14, 15, 16 hours a day in heat, in frigid cold, in rain, and you're begging for bits and pieces of change, really what people don't like or despise you for is the fact that you're putting all this effort because it is hard work Mm -hmm. panhandling according to Orwell for such little gain you know and I never connected those dots and I think he's right I mean imagine if you and I if we spent our existence living out on the streets uh just walking up and down in all kinds of weather Mm -hmm. trying to get by on you know dimes and nickels and quarters uh, it would be horrendous, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the problem. It's too much work is going into too little payoff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant guy. Yeah, or you could utilize that energy and try to get a job.
0: 100%.
1: But let's talk about some of the uh, the report that you recently yes. went to. You traveled to Windsor, and you've done a few reports in Windsor. You were busy yeah. during your time there. But this particular one is about the... Um, immigrant, immigration hotels.
0: That is right. Uh, Windsor, much like Cornwall and Ottawa and Toronto, and perhaps worst of all, and I say worst of all because it is one of the most iconic tourism cities in the world, Niagara Falls. Um, Hundreds and hundreds of hotel rooms are being taken over by, um, well, illegal aliens. In the case of Windsor, with the uh, candidate Chris Soda, he ran for Ward 2, he lost. Um, But he took me on a tour of some of these hotels. And I get it from the hoteliers, uh, or the people who own the hotels, folks, you're getting 100% capacity for months and months Mm -hmm. and months, probably at full rack rate. That's industry jargon for you know, the maximum price, not the discounted price you're going to get on hotels.com or hotwire.ca and on and on. So, really, um, it's like that lottery ticket, cash for life, isn't it, Tamara Ugolini? But the problem is, what is the cost to the taxpayer? Um, it's not just the accommodation, it's the meals, it's the clothing allowance, it's the fact that, as I discovered in Niagara Falls, These migrants aren't getting around on public transit or even taking Ubers. They're taking cabs. That's the most expensive way to get around, and it's all on the taxpayer tab. And uh, as I understand it, for Windsor, most came through the notorious Roxham Road crossing between. Uh, Quebec and New York State, and some were flown from New York to Detroit, and they come over via the Ambassador Bridge or the Windsor-Detroit tunnel. And um, it's just the fact of the matter is, Tamara, what is this costing us? Mm -hmm. And secondly, are these really all um, refugees? Or are these, some of these people at least, I'm sure there has to be some, unquantifiable percentage folks, Are they just people skipping the line? They don't want to get in the line and migrate into Canada like everyone else. Probably a process that takes a couple of years. I understand it. But you know what? Why should we be in the process of rewarding uh, those people who skip the line?
1: Well, and they disregard Canadian law right from the onset. Does that sound like that's going to be a contributing, upstanding citizen of our country when they disavow our laws and legislation right off the hop. And as we just discussed, there are national Canadian nationals in the streets, panhandling veterans, suffering homelessness and injustice after being injured in the field in their line of work. And those individuals are all completely disregarded by this government. I mean, another famous quote by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was, you're asking more than we can take in response to a veteran wondering why they aren't compensated for work related injuries that they suffered while they were serving our great country. No, And um, so this is just, you know, another nail in the coffin for failed policy by the Liberals is this idea that we can welcome newcomers and diversity is our strength, but we don't have the support system in place. Our, our economy is failing. Our healthcare system is in crisis, chronically understaffed, overburdened, overworked. And we have Canadians at home suffering who aren't getting any of this help.
0: And, you know, uh, Tamara Ugolini, I spoke to a merchant in Windsor who deals with a lot of hotel employees. So he was he had so many stories, Uh, couldn't come on camera, of course, because we live in cancel culture and, uh, you know, hosta la vista for this guy and his business. But one of the anecdotes stands out, and it was about um, a hotel throwing out a huge shipment of perfectly edible and fine food. Mm. Why? Because there were refugees from Afghanistan coming in, and the government ordered the hotel to make sure that everything was halal. Now look, I'm all about religious sensitivity, but by the same token, what's that saying? Beggars can't be choosers. I mean, are we gonna inject wokeism into this policy as well and actually be in a position to ruin perfectly good edible food um, because of some kind of you know, religious sensitivity. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not my bag.
1: And parents are quite literally struggling to feed their children. Yeah. And so this is the state of affairs in Canada where it seems like people crossing our border illegally are treated better than those who live right here at home who are suffering and struggling.
0: Oh yeah, and let's not forget, I'll never forget um, when you quoted Blackface telling that veteran in Edmonton that you're asking for too much. That was just mm-hmm. one year after Blackface had uh, presented Omar Khadr, our homegrown Al Qaeda terrorist, who murdered a U.S. serviceman and partially blinded another, gave him an eight-figure check, 10.5 million of your tax dollars, for being. A self-confessed murderer and terrorist. And what was the excuse to marry Ugolini? Oh, you know what? If we went through the courts um, and we had to fight this, uh, this could end up costing the government 20s, you know, uh, over 20 million, 30 million, et cetera. Oh, suddenly the black-faced liberals are fiscal conservatives yeah. when it comes to this terrorist? Give me a break already. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and speaking of mass immigration and the repercussion of that, we recently had a dynamic duo, Ezra Levant, Rebel Commander, and our head of production, Efron Monsanto, in France. And we have compiled a page there that you can check out all of our France reports from the last few days, franceonfire.com. But we have a video from Ezra himself on migrant youths looting and vandalizing a local car dealership so let's share that with you here if you haven't heard otherwise.
4: Ezra Levant here in Marseille where there have been riots for almost a week in response to police shooting a 17 year old Muslim man after an altercation. I'm standing outside a Volkswagen dealership that I saw on social media. Take a look at what I saw. <laughs> Well, I came here and the place is being smashed in. You can see the door is crashed. Windows are boarded up and they're being blocked by another vehicle. And there's a man on guard. Well, what happened? Well, I spoke to the owner. Who told me in some detail a group of young people she said as young as 12 or 13 smashed into the volkswagen dealership and found the keys to all the cars broke in grabbed them and tried all the cars and they stole 42 cars last night what's fascinating is that she said that 20 of them were recovered the next day just abandoned on the road they weren't even sold. These kids were taking them for a joyride, an act of defiance and theft as a way to fight the man. She said she's never seen anything like it unless she's scared. She said that in the past, police have had other altercations, but it's led to nothing like this. I don't know what the future is of this Volkswagen dealership. It's like so many riots in American cities where Black Lives Matters activists have a riot as protest to a African-American being shot, but they protest by burning down their own neighborhood. This Volkswagen dealership has nothing to do with the government or the police. It's a hardworking family that's trying to sell cars in a neighborhood that doesn't really have a lot of businesses. They feel scared and victimized. And frankly, I don't know if they're gonna stick around. For Rebel News, I'm Ezra Levant. And to see all our stories from Marseille and the riots in France, go to franceonfire.com. You know, Tamara
0: Ugolini, thank goodness Ezra Levant and uh, Efren are there because, quite frankly, I don't trust how the mainstream media mm-hmm. is covering this story. But, you know, I think Ezra really nailed it. Um, this 17-year-old Nigerian that was involved in a police chase was killed. It seems like an overreaction by the police. Um, We don't have all the details. But it is, you know, France's George Floyd year, if you will. And um, like Ezra said, how did the cause for social justice in America get forwarded by rioters, you know, such as the members of Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which is really just a communist front, going into black neighborhoods and incinerating independently owned black businesses. What was the purpose there? Similarly in France, I think there's a lot of blame to go around, I believe when you have these migrants to France from, say, Nigeria or Al- Al- Algeria, that they are not treated as, as first-class citizens. I think there's a lot to that. However, Ezra, in one of his previous videos, said to some of the uh, kids he was interviewing, do you consider yourself French first or Algerian or Nigerian, as the case may be? And it was always their home country. Oh, Algeria. Oh, Nigerian. Well. If you're now living in France and you're not all in as being a French citizen, then maybe that is going to lead to some justification of not treating you as a first-class citizen. What I'm saying is very complicated, you know, to marry Ugolini. There is a ton of blame to go around. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget Macron uh, on this and his policies. Um, So we're going to, I think it's, Ebbing out I know France has deployed the military yeah. and um and well they should because you know my heart that you know that was a great piece by Ezra folks here's a little mom Paul Volkswagen dealership I'm pretty certain Uh, I'll have to ask Ezra when he gets back, that they are insured for this kind of thing. Uh, If they're not, this might be a lethal blow to the business. Um, But you're just trying to make ends meet, you're creating jobs, you're providing a product people want to buy. And these hoodlums, these thugs come in, vandalize the dealership, take, you know, 40 cars for a joyride of only 20 have been recovered. Uh, Again, is that all about standing up for the 17-year-old that was victimized by the police? Or was that you just having a wild Saturday night?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, yeah, it's a great point. And France has had open borders for, for years now mm-hmm. with massive, as you mentioned, unassimilated migrant populations, massive unemployment. And um, under now they're rioting and looting, yeah, under the guise of social justice, I, I guess, is what this all boils down to. Um, and somehow stealing luxury cars is supposed to give justice to this this youth, um, George Floyd-adjacent yes. youth. Um, so and,
0: and then spilling into Belgium uh, as well, right? Well, what did that nation have to do with this? I mean, come on, this is... I think these are opportunists Mm. in terms of uh, the mobsters out there that want to take advantage of a situation. They really don't give a rodent's rectum about that kid that was killed.
1: And I think that there will be another report coming out, just a wrap-up video on on FranceOnFire.com shortly. Um, So stay tuned for that one as they kind of did a recap of what they found and what they saw on the ground. Because you can't trust... Even Twitter, social media clips. You never know when the clip was published, if it was old, if it's fake, if it's revamped. Um, So it's really nice to be in a position to be able to provide you boots on the ground journalism. And so if you appreciate that, you can also chip in at that website, franceonfire.com to help offset the travel costs of Ezra and Ephron, who traveled very modestly, were already in Europe, decided last minute to head on over to France to do some reporting there. Um, So we always appreciate our viewers helping us to bring you that side, often coined the other side of the story. And if I may
0: add to Mary Ugolini, unlike blackface, we're not staying in $6,000-a-room hotels. Uh, We're not um, running up a tab of $100,000 on a flight. I don't even know how you do that, even if you were to try. Uh, It is the very base economic airline that got Efren and Ezra over to France. Um, It's typically B&B or whatever the cheapest uh, yep. motel is. Uh, it's not some, you know, seaside view, uh, luxury hotel. We we respect your donations. That's what exactly. I'm trying to tell you. So, mm-hmm. and, and even if it's just a little bit that you can contribute, it all counts. So, mm-hmm. thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. All right. Let's go to a quick ad break. We'll come yes. back to some super chats, but we will get into a COVID-19 vaccine injury story. And so, mm. Stay tuned for the ad break, but after the ad, we are going to get off of YouTube. So if you haven't already, head over to Rumble Odyssey or Getter. Join us there for the last roughly eight minute segment of the show um, because it's Wrong Think, which is another 1984 (laughs) reference. If you haven't read the book, again, I recommend you head on over and order it. Um, If we talk about this on YouTube, we would be engaging in Wrong Think, so.
0: Unbelievable.
5: State of Affairs. Living with spike protein in a post-pandemic
1: world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The Wellness Company's Spike Support Formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best. And then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling with Spike Support. Use coupon code REBEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first month's membership is only 99 cents
4: that's twccanada.health coupon code rebel at checkout it's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat
1: Alrighty, so we have a new lawsuit that went out in Alberta, and we'll just pull up our, we have a written piece, um, but I've reached out to the lawyer, Eva Chipiak to do a video interview about this because I have some additional questions. Uh, but the basics are that an Alberta woman files a $10.5 million lawsuit against the government, the CBC over her vaccine injury and the vaccine misinformation spread by those entities. Um, so it reads here, following a thorough medical evaluation, Miss Sakamoto was diagnosed with severe and permanent Bell's palsy attributed to the Pfizer vaccine. As a result, she has endured facial paralysis, hearing loss, vision impairment, dizziness, anxiety, depression, memory loss, cognitive impairment, sicenesses which is essentially like twitches or jerk like body jerks, sleep dis- disruption, speech impairment, tinnitus and vertigo.
0: So in other words, her life has been
1: ruined. Her, her <laughs> seriously. Her yeah, her life has been ruined. She's a Lethbridge mother of 3. Now, I have no, sometimes I barely function as a mother and I am a healthy, robust individual. I don't know how you could even tend to your mothering duties, let alone work outside the home or do whatever you do in, you know, to make an income with these kinds of debilitating afflictions. So she's suffering from permanent Bell's palsy. After, of course, she was told through government and state broadcast messaging that she had to do her part and was doing the right thing by following the incessant recommendations of the COVID regime to receive a novel COVID-19 injection. And as a result, she's suffering these debilitating afflictions. But just, um, I think, a few days ago, I don't know the exact date, I can follow up. Um, This lawsuit was filed on behalf of Miss Carrie Sakamoto by lawyers Eva Chepiak, who some of you may recall is one of the Freedom Convoy lawyers, um, and James Kitchen, who we feature often through the Liberty Coalition Canada um, organization. And so both of them have joined forces. They're working with the Institute for Justice and Freedom uh, for Empowered Canadians. And they have named directly the Federal Minister of Health. So that's Yves Duclos, the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, Teresa Tam, Health Canada, the Public Health Agency of Canada, Dr. Celia Lorenko, Alberta Health Services and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They say that they were negligent, provided information they knew to be false and or incomplete Mm. and that they censored and suppressed truthful and reliable information about vaccine injuries which caused harm permanent damage to miss sakamoto and we know this through um the the privy council office they they put out a memo um on winning vaccine messaging that essentially sought to cover up vaccine injuries, downplay the risk to ensure that nothing compromised that safe and effective pharma marketing scheme. And I have a previous report on that. I'm actually going to do a follow-up because I have since been able to obtain the entire Privy Council office memo done in collaboration with Impact Canada. It is concerning the, the lengths and the behavioral science used to manipulate Canadians to comply with the vaccine rollout. And this poor woman was subject to that, a victim of it, and now she will suffer the rest of her life. Now, she has a documented vaccine injury. She was compensated barely by the VISP program, the Vaccine Injury Support Program, that newly instituted um, vaccine injury support rolled out by the federal government shortly after they saw the influx of COVID vaccine injuries. Um, But it's not enough to cover the costs. She's had to move. The whole story is just absolutely insane. The injustice faced by this individual thinking she was doing her part and the right thing and now is suffering as a result.
0: And you know, Tamara Ugolini, I, I can't help but notice the coincidence in terms of the figure that she's suing. Uh, for uh, against the government, (laughs) $10.5 million. So imagine that, folks, we talked about that very briefly earlier in the show. Omar Carter, terrorist, murderer, self-confessed, by the way, so there's no wiggle room here. Voluntarily, the federal government gives him $10.5 million for hurt feelings. And here's a woman, as Tamara has said, her life is ruined because of this misinformation and this experimental vaccine. Mm -hmm. And she's got to go on the offensive and try to make the government do the right thing as a citizen, a law-abiding citizen of this nation, to get her ten and a half million dollars, and I think that's on the low side. I think if this was being tried in a U.S. court, Tamara, uh, the figure—I uh, mean, for goodness' gracious—you see um, hundreds of millions of dollars being given out to people who uh, are driving with a hot cup of McDonald's coffee scalding their thighs. It's you know, it's a self-induced injury, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's ten point five million—I know that sounds like a, a Lotto Max jackpot to a lot of us—but really, in terms of what she's gone through, I don't. think it's that big Mm -hmm. and yet she's going to be fighting she's going to be in court for years oh yeah you know and uh it's a disgrace
1: the real injustice here is the fact that this is all taxpayer funded Mm -hmm. that lawsuit any form of payout is going to come from the taxpayers pocket right? It's not going to come from Theresa Tam's personal bank account. It's not going to come from the CEO of the CBC's personal bank account. This is going to come from the honey pot, the piggy bank yeah. of the taxpayer. And it's Big Pharma who has made trillions on pharmaceutical products and arguably billions on this particular vaccine. It's not Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, who's oh, going no. to pay out this victim. It's the taxpayer's pocket. Yep. And that's the real injustice here, is that the, the people who are actually responsible, that would be Pfizer, just get away scot-free. Yep. They've made their millions, their billions, their trillions, and they aren't being named in a lawsuit. And that is arguably because liability was waived when those secret government contracts were signed in the fall of 2020 to bring this experimental product to the market and roll it out on a massive scale. And we can't see those contracts. That's secret. That's hidden. That's, Isn't that amazing? It all of it yeah. is is amazing, and we've covered it all. And if you're you're not following, I would urge you to visit rebelinvestigates.com. That's where we house all of our exclusive reports, access to information requests, and a lot of this information has come by way of those requests. So you might have to dig back in the archives or reach out to me directly. Um, I apologize though. My emails are a bit of a mess. Uh, and I'll try to get you some of those reports, but we've covered all of this, the injustice faced by people who are suffering vaccine injury because they were quite literally manipulated to do so through behavior, modification and industrial strength, mind control techniques are now suffering at the hands of this COVID regime. And they quite literally called themselves in these Privy Council office memo documents, they call themselves a regime. Um, So that's the real injustice here. I think that this will come from the taxpayers' money, not these individuals will not be personally liable, even though they may be named directly, they will not see any of a financial hit as a result.
0: And, And you know, Tamara, I truly believe in the decades to come, when this period of time is looked upon by historians and Mm -hmm. those books are written, I'm talking 2020 to 2023, uh, it's gonna be a story along the lines of the scam of the century, maybe the scam of the millennia Mm -hmm. um, in terms, I mean, what we went through in terms of untold trillions of dollars of economic damage to the world economy, as you said, certain pharmaceutical companies getting away as trillion-dollar bandits. Uh, it's going to make Briex look like a game of three-card Monty on Madison Avenue. You know what I'm saying? This is, I as always in this business, you follow the money, don't you? And you see who's winning and who's losing. And uh, the insidious part about it all, folks, is that some people took this experimental vaccine, and they are paying with it in terms of their health and Mm -hmm. in some cases with their lives. And yeah, I'm talking about specifically young male athletes, fit as a fiddle, destined to play in the pro leagues, dropping dead. And oh, well, yeah, you know, there's no proof. I mean, it's coincidental there. You know, please, this is what makes this scam the most insidious one I've ever seen, Tamara, mm-hmm. is that the human misery, the human suffering, and the human death that has resulted from it.
1: Mm-hmm. And there was just a, a 30-year-old... Um World class athlete. I I can't recall his name, but anyway, yeah, the the phenomenon of died suddenly is ongoing. Um, But anyway, let's get to a couple of these super chats. We have a quick meeting after the live stream. So we'll get through this and um, not run too over schedule. A P P guy, 2004 app guy, I guess, 2004 gives $5. Thank you. I'm in the fascist state of California with Governor (laughs) Nuzellini. Seems blackface and Biden have the same notes. Interesting globalist agenda. I watch every day and pray for Canada. Love your show.
0: Well, thank you. As do I pray for California. I mean, Gavin (laughs) Newsom, he was one of the biggest shysters during COVID, of course, when he actually, do you remember that video, Tamara Ugolini, where he was saying, and it was aped by uh, John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, by the way. When you go out to eat, keep your face diaper Uh. on, take it down, put a bite of food in, put the face diaper up chew. When you're ready for another bite, take it down. And then, of course, Gavin Newsom is caught at a dinner party with the elites, Uh, not a single one of them, uh, wearing masks. Give me a break. And, I'll tell you, as we head closer to, is it 2030 or 2035, when the California law breaks in for uh, internal combustion engines will be illegal in the state of California. Uh, right now, that state already has roving brownouts and blackouts. It has two nuclear reactors left, both of which are going out of commission next year and the year after. And there's zero plans to build any new ones. Good luck when you get something like 14 million new EV vehicles sucking from that grid. Mm-hmm. Um, my gosh, you know, it breaks my heart because post-World War II, Tamara, California was the epitome of the American dream. You know, right. Americans emigrated there, sports clubs, like, you know, like the gi- the Giants, the Dodgers. This was the new, new world, um, The the beautiful weather, the mountains, the oceans. And look what um, decades of Democrat meddling has done to this once great state. I I pine for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Amt60 gives five dollars. Thank you, David. I grew up in the sixties and sixties under a free Canada. I retired in September twenty twenty one under mm. a dictatorship. <laughs> I miss free. I miss the free Canada. I was a tomboy and glad no one made me doubt I was a girl as no soji that's sexual orientation and gender identity teaching. Yeah, my sister was a tomboy, and I I'm afraid for what she would have endured had she have gone through the school system during this day and age.
0: Well, that's very profound. And I'll tell you, my friend, uh, you were born at the right time. Uh, Lady Menzoid was a tomboy, too. She Bless hung her. around with boys. She climbed trees. Uh, when she was given a doll, she always tore the head off <laughs> for some reason. She just did. Match um, made in heaven. Well, that, then uh, the experts are right, oh, it's just a phase. She'll grow out of it. And she became this beautiful mm-hmm. uh, woman. Today, oh, well, this is obviously a boy trapped in a girl's body. Let's get the puberty blockers going. Uh, Let's arrange for the uh, genital surgery, uh, yada, yada, yada. So um, that's how screwed up we are. Again, uh, more uh, grist for the mill in terms of uh, me wanting that DeLorean with the flux capacitor option. (laughs) Fraser (laughs)
1: McBurney gives $5. Thank you, Fraser. (laughs) Corporations take us for idiots, and apparently so does Prime Minister Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, when in that first clip we shared, he said, this is a lot of information as though like we're unable to comprehend what exactly he's saying when he details government benefits, anyway. But you know Black- what,
0: oh. I, You know, to Fraser's point,
1: Here's He's not what, done yet.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tamara. <laughs> That's okay. I was interjecting.
1: <laughs> okay. uh, corporations take us for idiots. Black Diamond Cheese was on sale for $1.94. <laughs> when I got home, I noticed there was only 14 slices. The last time I bought it, there was 16 slices, 21% less. Never again. Well, that is hiding and trying to disguise inflation. I've noticed, you know, the chip bags are getting smaller, the bottles of um, everything from juice to pop are getting smaller. Uh, We try to stockpile. So when things are on sale, I'll buy a few. And then, you know, coming home and comparing if you get a new bag now to what you bought maybe three months (laughs) ago, it's shocking. And you're, Typically, if you're not paying attention, then, of course, you'll be none the wiser.
0: Oh, I was paying attention because not only are these the days of inflation, marry Ugolini, but shrinkage. And I don't mean the George yeah. Costanza of Seinfeld shrinkage. You know what I'm referring to here, right? <laughs> you know, And again, thank God I met Lady Menzoid in a hot tub, and not ice water. Anyway, the thing is, we're paying more, we're getting less, but I thought Fraser was going down the route of corporations think we're idiots in terms of big pharma, you mm. know, marketing the, uh, the, the vaccine. Um, The idea of a corporation being greedy, uh, you could argue twas ever thus, and sometimes uh, to quote Michael Douglas from Wall Street, greed is good. But here was what was different during the COVID pandemic, is that the corporations were aided and abetted by government saying, you have to take this jab or lose your job. How many millions And I know it's in the number, that that number. Millions of people grit their teeth, uh, close their eyes, took that jab because if they didn't do so, the means of putting bread on the table for their family would be eradicated. That is what makes this immeasurably worse than just say some corporation selling you what is a bunch of snake oil. It was the mandate that you had to take this snake oil or you would suffer greatly economically.
1: And going back to my earlier point, I couldn't remember his name, but this bodybuilder that just died suddenly, um, I believe it was on July 1st, I've just pulled up an article here, it was uh, Joe, Joe Lindner, uh-huh. and he had another, he went by online, had a huge following on his social media platform, uh, Joe Aesthetics, dead at the age of 30 after having suffering from an aneurysm. He recently went on a podcast and was discussing how he took four shots and had some testing done. He had clots. <sighs> um things that you can't discover if you just go to a basic lab you have to request all these certain specific labs and blood work Um, and then you know listening to this podcast that he did just recently you know prior to his death and then of course he has now succumbed to these this clot these clots suffered an aneurysm and died at the age of 30 four shots in terrible
0: now you can see by the results that this was somebody who cared deeply about his body and it's beyond me tamara why someone would make that you know take that chance Mm -hmm. you know do that risk um you know it's kind of like i don't know if you noticed this during the pandemic and i found this an absolutely fascinating sidebar when it comes to health food stores where you buy your vitamins right some were the most liberal in terms of you don't have to wear a mask in here. You know, yes. You know, we're not limiting the store to just three customers, um, such as the one that I go to in Richmond Hill. And then there were the big carrots, you know, of the world where there's like security <laughs> and they're forcing you to wear uh, a mask and they want you and to show your uh, vaccine proof. And I, I used to think, Tamara, for... A business that's all about you know being healthy and advocating vitamin c and e and d and a multivitamin all the rest to build up your immunity why they would be so gung-ho to be on team experimental vaccine Mm -hmm. do you get that
1: no it truly is bizarro world upside down world yeah um again i think a, a large component of this was the manipulation behavioral science tactics deployed on the public indiscriminately through incessant messaging propaganda and as one interviewee who is part of a cult and has since um, rescued himself from the cult Mm. he described it as industrial strength mind control techniques and so all of this was deployed on the population and incessantly propagandized them over the course of pretty much two full years remember the highway signs were no longer like don't drink and drive or wear your seatbelt <laughs> it was get vaccinated on the radio on the tv on the highway signs everywhere you looked and turned you could not escape the messaging that was thrust onto us and then they downplayed all the adverse events and so on and so forth and here we are now suffering through the effects of the this shot The health system is destroyed there's no money left to pay for them because big pharma is you know running off with its with its trillions and vacationing and uh it's the taxpayer pot that's going to cover it hopefully maybe we'll see i guess with this lawsuit uh that was recently filed Mm. good luck to um, her and and you
0: know tamara you forgot I think, the most insidious part of the public messaging during uh, the vaccine period. And that was certain cities and regions targeting children to get the jab, yeah. such as, you know, uh, the disgraced mayor, John Tory, using Polkaroo, which in itself was no, stupid. No,
1: superheroes. They me? they use Superhero Day and get your sticker and well, there, you can be a superhero. There was that your part.
0: Peel region using Brampton Batman. Um, you know, although that received so much blowback that they hastily pulled it. Uh, I could never get answers from Peel Region, uh, you know, as to the real, tangible reason for that. But um, I mean, come on, let's face it. If if there was a Brampton Batman, wouldn't he already have uh, Mayor Patrick Brown in handcuffs? But now we'll
1: <laughs> be. It was really sad what they did to children. Anyway, all right, we're 14 minutes past the hour.
0: Oh, and we're supposed to have a hard ending, you said.
1: Yeah, 2 p.m. <laughs> Well, here there we you go.
0: Well, you know what, folks? Thank you so much for tuning in, especially those of you who um, gave us super chats. And they were all great ones today. I got to tell you, really uh, cream of the crop. Thank you to super producer Olivia for uh, doing all her great work behind the board. And of course, Tamara Ugolini, look at that hairdo. Thanks to Toronto's humidity. The she-devil she devil with, with, the, with the, spatula. the spatula. Never disappoints. I'll be back here tomorrow. I think it's with Drea Humphrey. In the the meantime, as always, folks, stay safe and stay sane.